Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of Victor off of endearth.org, the Near Death Experience Research Foundation website. And he says, I've had three experiences in all, and of these, two come close to those that have happened to others. The second and third experiences happened when I was 21 and were two months apart. I usually get up to go to the bathroom late at night. This particular time, I also felt the need to go to the bathroom. I clearly remember having fallen, fallen asleep. This was no dream. I'm 100% sure of this. Usually I get up, go down a dark hallway, turn on the light, and go to the bathroom. This time, however, after I turned on the light, I somehow found myself still in bed, as if I had not gotten up to go to the bathroom. The third time I tried to get up, I intentionally followed every move I made. I get out of bed feet first, put on my slippers, went down the hallway, turned on the light, saw the light come on, but again ended up right back in bed. After the third try, I thought something was wrong. I was still somewhat confused. For quite some time, I wondered what was going on with me. And then I wasn't able to move my feet or my legs or anything at all for that matter, even though I was lying perfectly flat and there was no pressure anywhere on my body like what usually happens when you put pressure on your arm while you're asleep and then you can't feel it because you've cut off the blood flow. It also felt like all the blood in my body had stopped flowing and was sizzling just like vegetable oil in a frying pan. And then I started feeling unusually light as I started to levitate toward the ceiling parallel to the floor. I liked this and felt like doing this. Then when I turned over and saw myself next to myself, despite the fact that the room was dark, I was seized with terror. I had never experienced such fear in my entire life and will probably never experience such fear again. It was the fear of not being able to call out to anyone. I was completely alone and isolated from everything. Then I started thinking about my parents going into shock when they wouldn't be able to wake me up in the morning. Of course, it would be okay if I were in a coma, but what if this were death? I desperately started trying to re-enter my body and somehow try to move around. All at once, I remembered my first near-death experience, although your site calls it something else. The memory of my first near-death experience calmed me down a bit. I then started trying methodically to move different parts of my body. First my hands. One hand would move, or one hand wouldn't move. Neither would the other. My fingers weren't budging, and neither were my feet. What else was there to move? The shock of re-entering my body had started my eyelids moving. That's how I got moving again. I tried checking to see if it was real, uh, really me. I turned on the light in my room. I walked around a little and sat down a few times. Then I went to the bathroom, turned on the light, and cleaned out the toilet. I could feel it. I could feel it when I pinched myself. That meant everything was normal. I told my relatives about it in the morning, but they regarded it with skepticism. 
The third incident was very similar to several of the accounts I have read in English on your site. I can say with certainty that this was really a near-death experience. I was sleeping and dreaming. Suddenly my dream was interrupted and everything disappeared. Once again, I couldn't move a muscle. Uh, the familiar feeling like my blood was sizzling and my vessels like vegetable oil and a skillet started up again. Insofar as I had been two months, it had been two months since the second incident, I was not frightened, but simply tried to fly around the room. I often fly in my dreams, but this sensation was beyond dreaming, because my dream had been interrupted. I left my body, rose to the ceiling, and came back into my body. Suddenly my eyes started to roll back and then inward. This sounds strange coming from me. Uh, prior to this incident, I had not been taking any kind of medication. I don't even smoke. This sensation was something like an orgasm, only a hundred times more intense. It was as if my eyes went deep inside my head, and I started to feel like I was being sucked out of my body. I gave in to this force and experienced something like an intense euphoria or total ecstasy. Then I felt like I was flying through some kind of dark tunnel. Insofar as I had already heard about this on American broadcasts and read about it in local papers, I was not surprised, but rather expected it for some reason. I picked up tremendous speed. Such speeds are not encountered in life. My speed increased gradually, yet very quickly. Shortly thereafter, a light appeared somewhere in the distance and rapidly grew closer. When I went into the light, it wrapped me up in it. It was very bright, but not blinding, with a somewhat milky white tint to it. I could almost see tiny points of multicolored light, but they didn't detract from the bright hues. The light was extraordinary. In it were peace and love. It was completely enveloped by love, and I felt total, totally secure. I felt absolutely no loneliness. Quite the opposite. If I wanted to know anything about anybody in that light, I would instantly know it. Anyone wanting to know any, or anything about me would know it immediately. It was a very interesting feeling when everyone... It's, it's a very interesting feeling when everyone knows everything about everybody. There are no obstacles to movement or thought. One can fly about and think freely. There was also this feeling that it was impossible to lie or be misunderstood even slightly. A conversation can be conducted telepathically on any topic in one's realm of comprehension. If, somebody, if someone wants to tell you something, he will effortlessly communicate it using your own thoughts. But God would forbid that someone should try to force his way into your thoughts, because this simply cannot happen there, simply because it just can't happen. I can't explain it. I just felt it. There is none of the incomprehension or misunderstanding that are so notorious in spoken language. Thought is vaster, more voluminous, voluminous, faster and more beautiful. There were all these sensations as if the light could think, but I didn't see anyone, simply the light. I had seen this light during my first near-death experience. I then returned to my body and started to my started my customary methodical attempts to move myself. After a few attempts, 
the big toe on my right foot started moving and I was able to get right out of bed. Quite honestly, though, even more interesting are the events leading up to these incidences, incidents and their consequences. I had been suffering from depression prior to these incidents. It was 1995. We were going through a major economic crisis, crisis and I was not able to attend college for a free education. Prior to 1991, everyone got a free education, but I started in 1993. Despite the criticism leveled against the communist system, it did have its good, good moments. I began my studies on contract in a department that trains system engineers. That was one of the toughest departments at college. The courses were difficult because the bulk of the subjects had to do with higher mathematics, physics, programming, electronics, and logic. They had the heaviest course load. We had to be at the institute every day from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. I managed to find the means for my education. My father was committed to another job for five years in exchange for which funds were transferred to an account at the college I was attending. When the crisis was over, people had lost their savings and there were times when salaries couldn't even cover bread and milk. All the students would try to get help from large business enterprises, but were often turned away. Many students were expelled from the institute for not paying tuition, even if they were good or even excellent students. There were literally no funds in Ukraine at that time. Lawlessness and borderlessness became symptoms for all the countries of the former USSR. The stem, to stem the tide of students wishing to attend college without paying tuition, or who had not paid for their next year at college, there was a secret system of survival. So much homework was assigned in all the required courses for a computer science major that no one could handle the workload. Those who were able to handle the large number of assignments, however, got A's. Everyone else received failing grades solely as a result of not having achieved the best result of completing all the assignments. Studying was made even more complicated considering that half of this group consisted of students who had graduated with straight A's from various schools and had won scholastic competitions. What resulted was a false sense of competition. Healthy con competition is good, but it's pretty tough if you have to stand in line to use a computer that's been in use for 10 years and has difficulty saving your results. But for this major, you needed a computer. At a time when people's salaries were around $20, and the translator notes that uh, the author doesn't say whether it is weekly or monthly or what, where, um, where were they going to get a computer that cost $1,000? Besides, there was the constant threat of government drafting young men in the army, and despite the fact that, they, that we weren't all at war at that time, you could still be killed or come home psychologically impaired. Once I had a complete break once I had a complete breakdown. People were bewildered and couldn't understand me. I realized later that even had I been in full possession of my faculties, there would have been no way I could have described to people how psychologically difficult it had been for me. I suddenly se severed all my ties, becoming a complete shut-in, didn't go out anywhere, ate very little, didn't want anything. No, saw no prospects for the future and didn't want to live. I simply wanted to go to God. 
I did not, however, exhibit suicidal tendencies. I simply did not see the point of my own existence. It was only a few years later that I understood that a near-death experience in such detail had surfaced in my life for good reason. Some invisible force had opened up new paths along which I must travel, something to strive for, that my life was not in vain, and that I should have goals that fill the needs of those around me as well as my own, and that every day should be filled with good and meaningful activities. The first thing I came away with from that light was understanding, the understanding that only things you can take, the only things you can take with you are your thoughts, memory, and spiritual essence. Up to then, I was of the understanding that one shouldn't devote too much attention to material things, nor make their pursuit one's goals, one's goal in life. Theory is one thing, but putting it into practice is another thing entirely. What helped me more than anything were the teachings of the Bible. I had not even, let's see, I had not even for one year even studied the Bible, nor had I ever attended church. I used to make comparisons a lot between what was going on inside me and what was happening around me. My main spiritual breakthrough lasted approximately one to two years. It continues even today, but it was simply powerful during that time. Okay, so he goes on a little bit further, um, kind of a tangent. I'm going to jump down just a little bit. He says, at this point, everything started getting obvious. I could detect plastic smiles, tension, pride, and humility, any human quality. Sometimes I, all I needed was a quick glance. It was spontaneous. And when I started to analyze this ability, it turns out that I had begun to observe the tiniest details and store them for later analysis. It could be anything from eye movements or someone's expression to a simple blade of grass, a leaf, a butterfly, or the, or way, the way objects were arranged. Despite the fact that I completed music school, I had perfect hearing and my sense of hearing expanded. I can now hear sounds beyond the normal range of hearing perceptibility. I can determine approximately how much a note has altered in range. I fly in my dreams more often when I am well rested, especially when I'm fasting. My main goal has become the spiritual development of myself and my surroundings. I have begun more and more to watch what I think, say, and do. I have gained a tremendous amount of free time due to this alone. I can cite countless times when people have observed my actions and followed my example. I'm making changes for the better in the people around me by changing myself first. See for yourself how different it feels when people follow the commandments, not in words, but in deeds. That's the end of Victor's account. And it appears from what it mentioned in here that Victor is from Ukraine, um, there's a few interesting things in this. Honestly, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be straightforward. When I first heard the first part of the, uh, you know, going and turning on the light and suddenly being back in bed and so forth, I was, I, I, I was suspicious that perhaps he really was dreaming, maybe having kind of an astral dream, if you will, you know, a dream that feels like leaving the body kind of dream, which may or may not be a real thing, the astral projection. Um, in this type of setting, I don't know. But when the third 
near-death experience matched, you know, with the tunnel and the light and all those things, that sounds more like a near-death experience, which makes me think that perhaps there was something going on there. If he had just shared that first experience, I'd be interested. I, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to say as in, fascinated or interested in dream-like things, but I am very interested in them, and I do enjoy studying dreams and and so forth, uh, what we know about them scientifically, and and the kinds of experiences that people have in dreams. But not not as much as near death experiences. But I, so I would still be interested in it. But I was a little bit suspicious of that until the third one, and it made me think, you know, he may have been slipping in and out of his body, and how that works, I don't know. How one gets accidentally out of their body while they sleep, I don't know. Some people suggest, many near-death experience um, research findings will suggest the idea that dreams are merely the body or the spirit leaving the body and going on adventures with cords to hold it to the body so that there's no risk of not coming back and things like that. I do not subscribe to that. I, I suspect that there are times when one might do that, you know, leave the body and so forth. But I've had enough bizarre dreams of the wackiest type that I just can't think that it's even very common. Um, I, I've had dreams of being Harry Potter. I have dreams, had dreams of being Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> you know, any movie that I've seen, I have really involved, intense, interesting dreams about those characters and, and brand new stories that, you know, don't have movies, but could for how fascinating they were at the time, you know, and maybe, maybe some of that branches from my efforts at fiction writing several years ago and plotting because, you know, when you're writing fiction, you're coming up with deep, intense plots. They're multi-dynamic with various characters and different stories within them. And, uh, and it's super fun, you know, developing a, a fiction, if you will, be it a movie, a book, or whatever. But uh, it may have branched from that that my dreams became so intense. I don't know. I, I do know that I'm a very vivid dreamer a lot of times. But, but I don't suspect that it has anything to do with the spirit leaving the body in those kinds of situations. However... I certainly am open to the possibility that there are times occasionally when something like that may occur. I don't know. I don't know. I'm open to the possibility, though. Um, and this sounds like one of those situations, because once they did slip out of the body, once he did slip out of the body, he suddenly is feeling just this overwhelming rush of joy. Just this, I mean, it, it sounds... Um, very uh, physical enjoyment as well as spiritual enjoyment, just intense. Um, well, it's, they talked about it being incredibly euphoric and total ecstasy and so forth, which sounds consistent with near-death experiences as well. I'm not sure the body would accidentally stumble upon that in a dream to that level anyway. Um, and then being wrapped up in light. He says that he was somewhere surrounded by 
people, I guess, because it's hard to say. He says, the light was extraordinary. In it were love and peace. I was completely enveloped by love and felt total security. I felt absolutely no loneliness, quite the opposite. If I wanted to know anything about anyone in that light, I would instantly know it. They would know that about me. So was were there others in that light? It's unclear. He doesn't really say. He, you know, how would he know that if someone was around, he would know all about them. If they're not around to know, if he would know, <laughs> you know what I mean. But there are lots of perceptions that seem to take place in the spirit form uh, that uh, that aren't shared with the mortal body person. You know, we don't we don't just know that somebody's upstairs just because there's somebody upstairs, you know, from us wherever we are or downstairs or that somebody's coming toward us. Now, some people um, may have that gift, if you will. Most people do not. That's why many of us can be startled. Because <laughs> we don't sense anything there before they're there. Anyway, so that was kind of interesting. I would like to share a comment, or a question, actually. Um, this is from The Voice Line, which is 970-NDE-CAST. So here it is. Hi, uh, Chaz. Uh, this is Dewan again. <laughs> hey, uh, I I noticed on that uh, one uh, podcast you done oh, a couple times ago or so uh, called uh, Spiritual Learning uh, about uh, oh probably around twenty minutes through it. Uh, your your ending music kind of walked over you there for a minute or two. I couldn't hardly hear you. It's not that big a deal, but I didn't know if he was aware of it. Uh, I, I really enjoy that uh, music at the, the end of the the front, you know. Uh, it always kind of just cheers things up. But uh, I thought I'd let you know, but that's, that's not the main reason I called. Uh, on that same podcast, uh, you know, I, I, I agree that there's a lot of things that we can uh, – learn uh, that we probably have to learn with our uh, bodies down on earth here and uh, like you said just learning how to uh, to make them behave <laughs> basically and uh, just uh, the different parts that we learn uh, one thing that uh, bothers me or uh, I don't know if it really bothers me but uh, just just kind of wondering about uh, I know a lot of the uh, the people that have had these uh, MDEs and come back. Uh, a lot of them, they, they, you know, at the time they were glad, they were happy to get rid of their bodies, and uh, said, boy, didn't know if they wanted them back or not. <laughs> and I think, uh, uh, you know, these are the ones that have probably either suffered some horrible stuff or have had some really rough lives, and. Uh, uh, the ones that uh, go on, you know, of course, it hasn't been too many that's been resurrected. We know the Savior, uh, some others. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is that the the body is, a, I think, going to be a wonderful blessing to us uh, that uh, we don't uh, we don't think about at the time. And these podcasts don't seem to bring that up just, just because I know hardly anybody's experienced a resurrected body, uh, other than like he says a savior and others. 
But it was a thing that uh, I think we had to come down and uh, learn how, like it says, uh, these bodies will be a real blessing to us, but they'll be something that we've got to learn to, uh, uh, certain things we've got to learn through that you can't in the spirit, especially when we do have the bodies. And then with the combined body and spirit, we know that this body is going to be a real blessing. Otherwise, God wouldn't have sent us down here. Uh, and the resurrection and everything is supposed to be such a wonderful thing along with the atonement. Uh, I think um, a lot of us just don't realize, and, and this won't be a body that's going to be cumbersome or what. This will be a body that, uh, you know, with the spirit that I'm sure we'll be able to uh, move around, pass through walls and stuff like uh, the Savior did and, and others. And uh, I think it'll, you know, I think there'll be a, a lot more uh, the spirit fills and experiences things, but I think the body being more solid, there's just a lot more, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, in food uh, that we enjoy, uh, touch, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, we don't know, but uh, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd bring that up, and uh, you sure don't have to share it unless you want to, but uh, anyway, uh, all right, well, have a good day. Bye-bye. This is some great comments and question that uh, that Dion brings up about the body and so forth. And I will apologize for the uh, episode a while back that uh, where the music drowned out some of the sound. Hopefully, that uh, didn't happen too often with them. But uh, I can see technologically how that may have occurred. I the music is inserted later, and I have have it go you know part way up as it. It's getting toward the end, and then jump at the very last second as as it, you know, my voice goes out. And sometimes I don't take the time to go back and listen to that whole section to hear how well it went. So I'm guessing it was getting too loud, and I had it probably going for a long time. So e easy mistake for me to make, but good to be aware of because now I know. Okay, this volume that it was at let's just turn it down just a little bit while we <laughs> approach the end there as we go in for the landing <laughs> so good to know but yeah about this uh the question of resurrection i am fascinated by this because this is something that does not seem to come up much if hardly ever in near-death experiences is this question of resurrection and for those of you who either are not familiar with the term or uh, may not know it in its religious context, I should say. Um, resurrection, rather than being a return to the mortal life, like um, you think in the Bible of, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, okay, he brought him back to life. That would not be considered resurrection because that would be a resuscitation, if you will, um, a, a return to the mortal life. The idea of resurrection is that sometime after our experience in the spirit world, at some point, we will return to our bodies as Jesus Christ did or, or have our bodies restored to us in their perfect form. It, I, you know, I don't think there's going to be this grand zombie, you know, rising from the graves kind of thing. I think, I think it's what we're talking about really is, is a restoration of the physical body in its perfect form if you will. Um, so 
if that clarifies that a little bit, but um, with that return to the perfect body is also a expansion of that body to be something beyond just what the physical is, you know, because right now, as my physical body, as I stub my toe, it hurts, and I, and I now have damage, and, and all this stuff, and I suffer for it, and whatever, and a resurrected body would not experience that at all, it, you know, and I, my inclination here is to share my own ideas, thoughts, speculations on it, which I do not know um, if they are true, but uh, I'll share that first before I share what couple of things I found as far as near-death experience research says about resurrection. Um, And I didn't do a ton of research. I'll continue to do more and let you know what I find. But my first thoughts are, I am of the very, uh, I'm of the conviction that Jesus Christ is still resurrected, meaning he still has that perfect physical body. You know, some religions teach that, uh, that, you know, he got his body back just so he could, you know, prove to his apostles it was him and so forth. And then at some point he ditches his body and returns to heaven. I am of the opinion that that's not the case, of the conviction, I should say, that that's not the case, that he has that perfect physical resurrected body to this day. However, what we find from near-death experiences, as well as some spiritual and religious experiences, when you study the history of religious experiences and so forth, is that that body is not limited to the physical. And what I mean by that, it's not that it's not physical, it's that it doesn't have the same limitations that the physical mortal bodies that we have, have, it also expands to the spiritual. So in my physical form, as I am now, if the spirit of someone who died two weeks ago comes and walks through me, they will pass right through me. I will not feel a thing. Okay. But if, if I am in the spirit world with another spirit and we go to touch hands, you know, like the traditional <laughs> reaching out, holding out the hand and then and then they make contact, their palms touch, I think we would feel a touch. That seems to be the case from near-death research. So there is a disconnect between the spirit and the body in that, you know, a spirit returning to the mortal f- world going to touch hands would pass right through it, whereas in the spirit world, two spirits would make physical contact. Now, what that means in terms of the spirit that's in the individual who's trying to make contact, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I, that's all I can say. I don't know how that works. But uh, what I can say is that I, I'm of the opinion that a resurrected being is able to make physical contact with a spirit, or with a physical uh, mortal. As well, in some way, kind of as Dilan hints at, in some way they could also pass through a physical being or a spiritual being. Does that make sense? Maybe not, because I just, you know, that's, that's my own suspicion. I think with each expansion of our existence, and, and, 
again, I'm totally in the speculative mode. Please do not take this as as research that I've done, um, other than that I've, you know, the research I've done is what kind of hints toward this idea to me, but that there is an essence that is deeper than even the spirit body itself. And I'm going to call that, for the sake of this podcast, um, the intelligent consciousness. Okay? And then the next level up would be the spirit form, which combines the intelligence and the spirit together into one. And then the next level up is with the physical body, the mortal body, let's just say. Okay? And the mortal body, while in the mortal frame puts all kinds of filters and dampeners on the the spirit's normal capacities um, such as being able to read thoughts and intentions and emotions and all that stuff as well as being able to fly and all those things the mortal physical body is is a physical form that's really kind of a I, I hate to use the word dumbed down but it's kind of a dumbed down version of what physical has the capacity for and in this combined form, we are in this place where we can learn and we can grow and so forth. But the when we die, we, we leave this physical body, so we're back in that spirit form, and all those things that were filtered out are, are then free and so forth. So it feels free, and yet, because the physical is the next level, there's still something missing. And so when the resurrection takes place, I suspect, I speculate, if you will, that what will happen is that we will get the physical back in its perfect form, have all the abilities of the spiritual form, have all the abilities of the intelligent consciousness form, have all of those abilities as well as all the abilities of the physical form and all that that entails. And and so it becomes a next level of existence. And that's something I greatly look forward to. Everything that is wrong with this body won't be there. And everything that's great about this body will be. And a great deal more, obviously. So, that's my suspicion. That's my speculation. Don't take it as, you know, as anything uh, either doctrinal on a religious frame or as researchable from the near-death experience standpoint. But uh, that's just my own thoughts. I don't know if they're even true. I, that's just what I suspect. Okay, I did find two references to resurrection that I will read to you. One is from Julie Rose's experience uh, in her book called Greater Tomorrow, My Journey Beyond the Veil. And we did read some of her experience. <coughs> However, I didn't get far enough into it to share this experience. Um, she's talking about seeing... Uh, Christ in his life and uh, how and his resurrection and that's why this it comes up and um, in her experience she's seeing this happen and, and she's seeing that people are starting to spread the news about Christ having been resurrected returned to his body and his perfect body really And she says, I witnessed Christ appearing to many others and saw their varied reactions as they learned for themselves that he was the risen Lord. I learned once again 
that without a doubt, Christ overcame physical death. I know this. I witnessed this. After Christ was resurrected, I witnessed the resurrection of many others as well. I know that because of the atonement, everyone born on this earth will be resurrected. There is no doubt in my mind that this will happen just as Jesus was resurrected. Our bodies will be reunited, or sorry, our spirits will be reunited with our bodies. So that's the end of uh, Julie Rose's what I'm going to read from Julie Rowe's experience, and that's on page 64 of her book. Another reference that I found uh, is from Visions of Glory, um, that is a book written by John Pontius, um, recounting the experiences of one named Spencer, um, and... And it's written as if it's in Spencer's words, but, uh, you know, John Pontius is acknowledged as being the one who actually put the words to the paper with the, with the help of Spencer, obviously. And the little bit that he shares about resurrection is in the context of seeing a time in the future when uh, Christ returns to the earth and there's this thousand years of peace and, and love and so forth and and talks about how people will, you know, grow up and age and then be resurrected in the twinkling of the of an eye, as he words it. He says, they were resurrected where they were standing and their labors on the earth came to an end. To be resurrected in this fashion was not an unexpected event. They knew it was coming and often gathered loved ones to share in the experience. There was no separation, no loss, no mourning, because these people could return to the millennial world as they wished. But now their labors were no longer earthbound, but extended to the vastness of God's creation. The earth ceased to be their home at that point, and a place was ready for them in the presence of God. It was a glorious thing to behold. So that's a very small tidbit, but it does acknowledge the idea of resurrection and how it... uh, it is something that takes place after this life. And I'll be honest with, again, this is speculation. I don't know how this all plays out, what it all means and so forth, but I have a suspicion that having experienced the physical immortality and then experienced the physical sensations of the spirit in the spirit world where the everything is still very tactile and still very, you know, he's still hearing and seeing and smelling and tasting and so forth very much as the body might. I suspect that the resurrection, while it will be a momentous thing and a momentous experience and occasion and new permanent way to live, I suspect that one of the reasons, well, one of the reasons it doesn't come up in near-death experiences very often is because you're not going to be resurrected and then come back to your mortal physical body. That just doesn't even make sense. So there's not anyone who's had a near-death experience who has been resurrected, and therefore they haven't experienced that, therefore they're not going to share it. But the other thing is, is that I think, I suspect, that when someone is resurrected, They will have all those abilities that the spirit has, as well as all the abilities of the physical, and therefore it doesn't seem like that big of a stretch of a difference. 
to someone in that state. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we'll be resurrected in the state that we have lived for. We're not going to, you know, we the many experiences talk about different levels and so forth, and that we go the, to the place that we're comfortable. And sometimes people are even stopped from approaching people who are of too far a level lower because they just, they wouldn't be able to withstand it. And they, you know, I don't know what that means in terms of how, uh, you know, is there pain involved in, in trying to go beyond where you, I don't know, or maybe it would just cause them severe spiritual discomfort, you know, the sense of where they could be if they had chosen and not being able to stand in their own, you know, uh, with their own condemnation of themselves or something. I don't know. I, I really have no idea. But, uh, but whatever that is that separates the levels, the, the resurrection seems to be a more permanent and um, next level, if you will, of our, I don't know if I can say physical development, spiritual development, our development as beings, working our way up, advancing, growing, and expanding. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the reasons it doesn't come up very often. And you think of what has been said about those who um, haven't yet come to earth and how we, we have such love and connection with those people when we return and we love them and we share with them. And the things that we've read about how when somebody sees those people who haven't come yet, there's a bit of a naivety about them, kind of like talking to um, someone who hasn't been to college, who, uh, who is looking forward to college and excited about it, but hasn't yet been through the rigor of it yet. And you have these postgraduates that, uh, that are talking with these graduates. And there's something that these postgraduates share, you know, that, that is unique, that, that, the people who haven't been to college haven't quite got yet. There seems to be a sense of that to those who have lived on earth and those who haven't. And there may be something of that with resurrected beings as well. Certainly they can mingle with all groups, but there may be something that's, you know, a level beyond what we experience even as post-mortal persons um, that is yet to be experienced, something to look forward to, something of experience that goes beyond, a wisdom that goes beyond even what a spirit experiences, perhaps. I don't know. Again, this is all very uh, speculative. Take it all with a huge grain of salt. Just some of my thoughts on the issue. If you guys hear of near-death experiences that mention the resurrection, that discuss it, um, I would be very interested in hearing more, and, and I will bring it up if I come across more again. So, if you would like to contact the podcast with a question, comment, whatever, you can call 970-NDE-CAST or email neardeathexperiencepodcast dot, or sorry, neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com and our website where all of these are posted and I make sure that they're all available so if you um, got to the end of what iTunes is offering and want to hear more or whatever um, 
you get on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and you'll see everything. I think we're approaching 100 episodes by now, somewhere close to that, probably in the 90s or late 80s, something like that. But uh, anyway, thank you all, all of you so much for listening. Thank you.